welcome to another edition of the Brief Talk Podcast. We have an amazing podcast today that many of you have been asking for for a while. We're going to talk about the underwear industry and how you make underwear. Back with us uh, on the podcast, who hasn't been on in a while, is Eric from Basket. Welcome. Hey, Tim. Great to be here. Great to have you back. It's been a while. You were on our first go of podcasts. Yeah, it has been a while. And then we relaunched in 2018, and now you're back. You're our second most frequent guest, <laughs> right behind Andrew at India, and he's always he's he's beat you about a few. Yes, it's awesome to have you here. And Eric knows everything about the business, and we came up with this idea, and I'm so happy to do it. So we'll, uh, without further ado, we're going to jump right in it. Tell us about Basket, how it started, and why did you get in the wonderful world of underwear? <laughs> that is a great question. So let's see, Basket has been around for about 22 years now. We started in 1999, um, and that was way back when there really wasn't anybody else in our segment. And by that, I mean, um, of course, there was Calvin Klein and, and Haynes and Jockey and all those guys, but there weren't a lot of other other brands in our segment. So we had to exist and C&T, who you know, basically came from the same, the same company. Yep. And you could get underwear in our segment in you know black and gray and and white and it it was a little more interesting but it wasn't it wasn't that interesting um and so we kind of looked out in the market and saw a need for underwear that had that was just a, you know a little more fashion forward had different colors patterns and things like that and so we started our first collection um and the very first collection was was our urban collection, which we still make today. It's gone through multiple iterations over the mm-hmm. 20 years. But we quickly introduced a uh, an action cool collection, which we also still make. And we made that in these pop colors that were like neon green, neon pink. There was a, a yellow in there. And the business, it really took off. And so that was sort of, you know, a, a what kind of catapulted us into to, into the underwear market. And it, it was crazy. And, and, you know, I'll answer the rest of your question, but we sold so many neon pink jock straps that it just didn't, it didn't make any sense. I, 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 we kept saying, you know, there, there must be, you know, businessmen just walking down the street in a three-piece suit wearing a pink jock strap because the, the numbers that we sold were unbelievable. So pink, that was before pink got really huge too. Yeah, it was a, it was just really, but I mean, but the the other colors, the yellow and the green, also did really well. But the pink was just like it, it completely kind of caught us off guard, and you know the the getting caught off guard with how well a, a style or color does is 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 it happens in this business, but it's always a, a good problem. But so that's kind of how we we got our start. I got into this business. I had a completely different life previously. I you know I had international business. I was a consultant for you know the the big 10 at the time doing, having a totally different life. If you'd have written down on a piece of paper and slid it across the table and, you know, three things, and I would be doing one of them in the next five years, I would have, you know, I would have immediately crossed off own a fashion business. Cause I, that, that's just not how I saw myself and, you know, progressing in the future. But I, I, I just was looking for something different to do. I was kind of burned out in the consulting world and, um, and I, and I, I ended up in the underwear business and I've, I've loved it ever since it's, it's been a great run. Um, and I, I hope it continues forever. And it, it just, it's a, it, when you own your own business, it's and you, especially in the fashion world, you have the ability to, to really create and do interesting things. And it, and that's kind of, that feeds my sort of desire in life for business. I love it. I love all the, the logistics part of it. I love the dealing with suppliers. I love, I really love the back end of the company. I would say I love everything from design and production to 
uh, you know, when we actually sell it to the customer, that, that, that all that part is really interesting for me. Nice. So, yeah. Yes. That's kind of how we got here. I still, I was just having a conversation with a blogger, underwear blogger last night about the industry. Cause he hasn't really reached out to brands. He just does reviews. And I was telling him about the industry. So I was like, it's a good industry. It's fun. It, everyone gets along for the most part. So the yeah. only drama is usually when somebody copies somebody. That's usually the drama. <laughs> right. And there's a lot <laughs> of that. Oh, boy. And then I'm like, everyone gets along with the exception of a few people. And you yeah. don't pay me. Like I tell people, you don't pay me enough to name names. So It is really. Well, and that's one thing I didn't expect when, you know, going into this business. The, the very first time I went to, you know, the, this project in Las Vegas where, I've, you know, you and I have met a million times. We can, you, we get we get put in this part of the, of the show when it's all the underwear mm-hmm. brands around us. And I quickly, you know, over the years became friends with these people. And I was shocked at how nice everybody was for the most part yep. and how helpful they were. And, you know, you'd have a, a, a vendor come into your booth and look at your stuff and write orders. And then, you know, one of the other brands would come over and, and, and give you advice on that vendor, you know, the good things, you know, not, bad things like what to expect in, in your business relationship with them and and so that that was really helpful and i was glad yeah. to to have those relationships so sorry i digress no problem yeah it's it's a good industry i love working and reporting and now being a store in it yay moving on how does one get started in underwear making their own company which yeah. I've gotten this question from many people over the years who think it's super easy. Right. Oh, you just do this, this, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you're good. Completely. And it's, you know, it, it seems really easy to start an underwear company. And I've helped several people actually who've started brands and that I've, who either I've befriended or they've reached out to me and asked for help. And it's, it's, it is really easy to start an underwear company. It's, it's the, and that, and that's why so many brands, you know, it's why you see so many new brands all the time. The issue is, is keeping the brand afloat and keeping it going without losing, you know, your shirt, for lack mm-hmm. of a better You know, so you, you I, I think it kind of goes back to your comment about people copying people. You know, when, when we got into this business, there really wasn't, there were, there weren't a lot of people to copy. So, and we were trying to differentiate ourselves from other brands. So we went out and looked at like, well, what's happening in the market and, and, you know, what do we like and, and, and not like about men's underwear? And so we didn't, really copy anybody we said okay the waistbands are crappy they're thin they buckle the the cotton is you know less than ideal and and let's try to make something that we actually want to wear that that fits you know fits our body well and back in you know early early 2000 there was a lot of flat panel underwear and by that i just mean it's it's flat panels that are sewn together that Mm -hmm. basically just sort of hide you shield your your body from your pants or your shorts or whatever they don't offer a lot of support um, and they don't fit they weren't really it didn't fit a man's body so we tried to and you know that's what's called basket we try to make a, a term we try to make a, a design that really holds you in place and without being in your face and so all that that stuff about you know when you want to start a brand that the design is difficult to, to try to find out to try to find mm-hmm. something new and different so lots of uh, people just basically copy somebody they start they they go out in the marketplace they find a brand they like and they copy it and, and that's happened to me a ton of times and i and, and that's kind of why i've helped some people because i've seen that they've copied me i've seen you look at something you can tell that that's your stitch or you can tell that that's the way that they've done the trim there or something. That's something that you've done that you've not seen somewhere else. And that, again, that that's the easy part. De- developing that first collection that you're going to make, super simple. As long mm-hmm. as you, you have 
a factory, which isn't very hard to find, and you've got some ideas and you've got some some cash to start your first brand, your first collection, not hard. The hard part about starting an underwear company is is selling your product because and it's that's, that's increasingly true every day because you know as you know there's new brands enter the market all the time and so you know when we started out it was again there was you know CN2 into existence and, and a couple other brands but we had a small we, you know we we each had a, the the market was pretty decent size and we we each had a a pretty mm-hmm. decent share of it and now you have so many more brands out there that the market you know your share of the market is decreasing constantly. So, and I am okay with that because I love competition and I love what it does to the, to the industry. But, you know, for anybody who's, and I've had this, like I said, I've had this conversation lots of times with people. I think, can you start an underwear brand tomorrow? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, how much is it going to take you to start a brand that will actually be successful? And I've, over 20 years, I've adjusted this number <laughs> a little bit, but I really think if you wanted to do it today, you, I'm, you need at least $800,000 to get started and, and wow. a million would make you happier because you, you, you know, you underestimate the cost of all these things. Again, getting that oh, first yeah. collection of underwear in your, you know, on your desk to sell, you know, that's, you know, 10, $15,000 to get a, a good collection started with some, you know, multiple colors and sizes and all that stuff. But then you've got to, you've got to start brand building. And that's the part that just gets mm-hmm. crazy expensive and quick. You know, you, you've got to advertise all over the place. It's, I, you know, I always explain to people, it's like, we're trying to get your attention for having somebody find you the needle in the haystack. And you, know, oh, yeah. you, and you think it's easy, but it's not because you have, you have so we, we're all bombarded, especially, you know, depending on what, what publications you read or what websites you go to, we're bombarded with with products all day. And so, you know, you really have to stand out and, and you have to find your niche in the market. And and to do that, it's just, it's incredibly expensive. Ad campaigns, paying influencers, the mm-hmm. amount of product that you have to give away to get people to pay attention in the beginning was, you know, I was shocked by it. Crazy. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and we still do it all the time. And I, you know, you get, you understand how you know the business works. And so you, you know, that the things you give away and all that, you put it into your marketing budget, but you know, it's, it's tricky and, it, and it's super expensive. So, you know, getting that first collection out vendors, they're the, the suppliers that you meet, they understand the business. They've been in it a long time and they'll try to help you in the beginning, but they lose their patience pretty quickly. Um, and, and, and finding yeah. a good factory is tough. You know, oh. I, I've heard horror stories. Yeah. And I mean, you, every day you hear my, you know, we, we started out in this business making underwear in Thailand because that was the best stitch that we could find. You, we tried to, to stitch in America. We tried it twice and it just, it doesn't work. But you know, when we, we've, I have a great relationship with my, with my Thai supplier. I built an amazing relationship with the Chinese supplier that I use. He's my family. Now he named his daughter after my grandmother. I mean, we, we uh. have a, a real business relationship that's that we're there for each other and building those relationships takes time too but it's harder than you think to get all these things to sort of get in the in sync and be moving to a point where you're not constantly you know wondering am i going to make it am i not going to make it and and i don't i don't miss those days I, i'll tell you they they were tough and you once you kind of commit to this you got to stick with it so yes <laughs> it's i've heard so many horror stories about getting suppliers to make it right to mess up oh yeah Uh, over the years i just brand after brands and it's usually new brands that -hmm. discover this the hard way after they've completed a collection and totally something's wrong and i'm like and i tell everyone 
there's so much more than making a pair or designing underwear and then just putting it out. You have yeah. to source it. You have to get the fabric. You have to do all the stuff. Yep. It's not just, oh, here's hot underwear. Go buy yeah. it. And we've all had those situations where, you know, I had one, gosh, it was probably five or six years ago where we brought a new collection out. We went through the whole process of doing all the prototyping. I got the final pre-production set, <clears throat> the set that we get that we agree on before we tell the, the factory they can go into production and it would look, looked great. It fit well. We had it on the fit models. We had, you know, we, we wash, we wash test everything like crazy to make sure it, it the fabric's going to hold up and it's not going to, you know, go to hell in the washing machine or dryer and everything was great. And I was super proud of it. And um, we pulled the trigger and the factory made it. And we, you know, through, throughout production we were having, it's, it takes about 15 to 20 days once you pull the trigger to make, yeah. To make the you know the the eight to ten thousand pairs that you want, and so everything was good. We were talking throughout the process, and then the it was I was super excited about it. We had lots of pre-orders, so I air freighted half of it and put half of it on the boat with another shipment that was was headed out to us. And it, the the air freight arrived, and it went into the warehouse, and we did our our you know customary quality check on it. We're looking for you know problems with waistbands colors in the wrong in the wrong box sizes in the wrong box oil on the on the underwear from the sewing machine it's just the, the you know the quality checks up that we do on this side after it's been quality checked in asia and in short basically about ten thousand pair that order was ten thousand units and about eight thousand of them were bad and uh. yeah and so i we had to eat it on eight thousand pair so i basically Eight thousand pair came over, or, you know, came, came over, went through another quality check in the warehouse, and only in the end, about two thousand pair ever made it into onto our website. And so, you know, that was a that ended my relationship with that supplier because he wasn't willing to stand behind his product, even right. he acknowledged what the issue, like he knew what the issues were. And, but you have those things, and if you're not, if you haven't been in business for a while, if you, you know, having to take a hit on eight thousand pairs of That's, underwear, I mean, that'll sink you. That will. That's when you say, hey, these are limited edition. We double the price and there's only 2000 Hey. Uh, I try when- not to take advantage of our customers. But we. W- the other thing that I, the, your limited edition comment is a good one because the bulk of my angry emails that we get, and I, you know, I don't read them all. I, I read a couple of them. I used to try to read them all, but I, I read a couple of them a week uh, if I can. Are, you know, you're always out of stock. You don't ever have product. And, and it's like, I we get it. We understand the problem, but, but we're not going to bring stuff to market that we don't like, that we don't think is good quality and, or that we know has a problem. And so we'll take the, the out of stock issue over the in stock with garbage every day. Well, yours is, you've been pretty consistent with your lines over the years. So people know what they're getting as opposed to having limited edition pairs where it's just like come and go and you get it if you get it. So you yeah. know what you're getting. Yeah. That's the other thing you got to think about. Totally. It's a good point. So, and you've been consistent and do amazing things. So, you thank know, you, thank you. Uh, this leads me to my next question. So, so many brands have come and gone because when I look through the blog for my Throwback Thursday, which today we're recording on a Thursday and I've got to do a Throwback Thursday. So many brands that have just come and gone because the list gets longer and longer every year of brands that have been around some I really like working with some were amazing others that I only knew like peripherally yeah. uh, so why do so many companies fail right. in the market yeah I, well I think that then again great question and it kind of goes back to that you know 
how easy to start is it to start an underwear company? And I think so many brands fail because it's so easy to start one and it's almost impossible to keep them, go- them going if you if you don't have the financial backing and the just drive to make it happen. And you know, I think first and foremost, to, to be successful with an underwear brand, you've got to find a differentiator. Like at the end of the day, we're making men's underwear. It has a job it has to do, and that needs to be the baseline. Like it, if if you're selling underwear that doesn't support a men's, you know, doesn't support a guy and doesn't fit well and, or pinches, you're out of business quickly. And, and so that takes a good number of them out because they don't actually understand how underwear is supposed to work, despite the fact that they've, you know, maybe copied another collection or, or tried to do something that's already out there, but, but they don't know how to execute on it. So that takes a good number of them out. And then you also have people who don't understand how the business works. When I got into this business um, and we start, you know, we used to sell, we, again, we'd go to the, to the, to the show in Las Vegas and, you know, the, the buyers would come in and they'd sit down in the booth and we'd be talking to them. And I would have these buyers who would look across our, you know, we had, you know, sometimes eight and 10 lines. And then, you know, within each line, there's five or six styles, four or five colors in three in four sizes. And so they would, would be going through there and buying like, you know, I'll take a small in this and a medium in that and a large. And, and they were buying this small amount of, of, underwear from us and that kills an underwear company it's a sale that you made in the with that's with that buyer but it, it's actually a bad sale because the amount of work that you're going to have to put in mm-hmm. on that small order and the the customer service on the backside of it it's costly you just don't you know when you you have to all this underwear has to be held somewhere so you've got to have a, a warehouse to pick it and when they're you know they're picking orders that are you know under 25 or under 30 pieces it, it's expensive the, the cost is goes up on that. So again, lots of people start and they don't understand the logistics of, of selling underwear. So they get into it. They've got some good orders, but the orders aren't robust enough to, to keep the business going. I used to, you know, at, at one point we had over gosh, 250 doors across the world. So t- we sold to 250 retail outlets o- around the world. And at about maybe, I don't know, 10, 2010 and 11, I started just sort of calling some of them out of off of our, our business because they were great people and they were running businesses, but they were loser money losers for us. And I, it was just like, I, I don't, I didn't want basket to go out of business. And so I, I made some hard decisions to break ties with some companies that, that we had sold to, I, you know, I, and I boosted our online business and things like that. But the business of doing business can sink you if you're not careful. And then you have all yes. the other expenses that come with it, which, you, you know, you are intimately familiar, familiar with and, You've got to be running, you know, comprehensive, consistent, robust, all these words, social media program that gets your brand out there in front of people every day. And so to do that, you've got to, the underwear business is about making really, and it should be about making really high quality products that will stand up to, you know, the test of time, but it's also about creating content. So yes, you, and these these two things are the are, you know the biggest parts of the business. So you're constantly trying to find models and you know go, oh, get yes. to, to finding photographers who understand your aesthetic and and can shoot stuff for you. That's what I call on brand. We have tons and tons of of people who reach out to us every year to, who want to shoot for us, and you know the, we'll always say you know so interested. Send us your portfolio. Let us see what you're doing. Um, you know, we, we'd love to work with you. And then the portfolio shows up and the images are not on brand for us at all. They're, they don't look like our customer. They don't, they aren't appealing to our customer. 
or you know, or in sometimes the quality is not even great of the of the imagery itself. But that you could spend an again, I'm sure you can can. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the problem with photographers that I've had is you're about the underwear, so the underwear has to be seen in every picture. Correct. And you get the photographers who they're great at taking pictures, but they're not. They're focused on the model and not the underwear. Yep. So the underwear is cut off or it's hidden. looks terrible. And I'm going, <laughs> yeah. I have a photographer I worked with for many years who gets that, who knows it's about the underwear. Yep. Every so he'll take extra pictures of the model too separately that we may not use, but he may use in his portfolio or something, which totally fine with. Yep. No problem because it's digital and don't pay for it. So I'm like, have fun, take whatever pictures you want. Yeah. But give me what i need because i've had a shoot and i'm just like what am i supposed to do with this yep i need you, mm. you need good content i mean we, we've had it over the years you know we've set up and shoots are expensive doing a good shoot yes. can be we did a shoot out in malibu and on the beach and you know you're talking about a, a 10 to fifteen thousand dollar endeavor just to get every that not including the model fees or you know just hotel rooms travel permits mm-hmm. to be shooting on the beach and, and all these things you think yeah. you can just do but you actually can't because the police nope. will come get you and in the, you know then you you get down to the end where you're you're going through and looking at the shots that you got and it's you know you're doing it while, you, while they're shooting too but you get to the end where you're, you're going through all the raw images and it's like oh crap like i there's nowhere near enough good imagery in this and you know that's a, again another huge part of the learning process where you the, you know, yep. the first couple of shoots that i that i did I had a great photographer when, when we started. I really lucked out. His name was Bruno Rand. He's still, you can still see some of the stuff out there, but, but Bruno was a great photographer and he, he knew how to shoot. He'd shot for, for under, under gear and a bunch of other, um, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. adjacent companies. So he really knew how to shoot stuff. And, you know, we would be, we'd be in the middle of the shoot and I would, I would just take cues from him and he would like, you know, say something to the model or, you know, we had you have the stylist on site who's, you know, making sure everything looks good and is, is in the right position. And, you know, and he'd be saying like, the, you know, the underwear has a wrinkle just there. That's really, it's going to cast a shadow that I, yeah, I can Photoshop it out, but I don't want to. And like, let's get it working. Smart. And yeah. And so, you, you know, you do all that stuff. And then, and then, you know, just again, again, talking about you know, the, the problems of all this, like finding models that you want to work with that whole different kettle of fish yep and you're and it's the the surprising thing to me over the years has been and i'm I'm getting you know i don't do so much of this anymore that some folks on the team do it but you know getting being able to to you look at somebody you know they send you their their z cards their their cards with their their images on it and you look at it and you think yeah you know this this person is on brand for us they look like what we want and they are photogenic and their body's good blah 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 and then they and you talk to them and you talk to them about the shoot and then they come for the day of the shoot and like literally one of two things happens and it happens at the same time they step in front of the camera and they become a completely different animal Mm -hmm. and they either become an amazing animal that you are so happy (laughs) that you're shooting with or they become a terrible animal that you know the shoot is going to take two times as long or three times oh, more, yes. and you're going to be lucky to get the images that you need because they're scared or they they look tense or they're deadpanning the camera or they can't like quite get it figured out and then you i mean you have all kinds of other issues when when guys get scared then their anatomy shrinks so then all of a sudden <laughs> the underwear looks terrible <laughs> and you oh, have to yeah 
you have to work through that with them. Like I, it's when you're some of the, and Bruno was excellent at this too. He was like, a, you know, the best psychologist you've ever had. Cause he'd be, the guys would be, you know, they'd be looking great, but they wouldn't be filling out the underwear. And he, you know, he could talk to them in a way that would get them, you know, comfortable and calm and, you know, everything would work out. And you, you got to have these people in your business. Otherwise you, you just won't make it. And so finding oh, those good photographers yes. is, whew, duh, that's crazy. That's the important thing. Yeah. Models is the other. Ours has always been, we've shot some more risque stuff yep. over the years because, you know, thongs are the big thing now totally. and whatever. And every time I've ever done a shoot, I've sent to the models ahead of time. Here's the shoot list. Here are the pairs we're shooting and here's what they look like. Mm-hmm. So tell me now if you're game for the shoot or if there's a specific pair, you know, you, you don't want to shoot. Wear. Yep. I'm good with that as long as I have someone like two or three models or something. I don't have a problem with that. You know, yep. going in, here's what the shoot is, and you don't get there and go, what? No, no. I'm giving you everything, and I'd rather you cancel now mm-hmm. than have a crappy shoot, or you walk out the day of the shoot or just not show up. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I don't. I know you and I have talked about this before, but I, it was, you know, we, the year that we brought the, the jock brief to market would before anybody else had done that, we were super excited about it. It was a totally new style for men's underwear, which doesn't, that just doesn't happen very often. And, you know, we were lucky enough to be the brand that brought it to market, but we had this amazing shoot. It was, it was literally like a month at the most before we were supposed to be at, at project. Yeah, so we're we're shooting for the for the line sheets. We're shooting for the catalog. We're shooting for all this stuff. We have this great model lined up. Um, we've talked to him. We've just had the exact conversation that you described. We actually had sent him pairs of underwear to to try on so that we were sure the fit was good and and so that he could look at stuff and and the jock brief was in there and I said you know this this is a collection that we're going to need to shoot pretty heavily on and you're you know your butt's going to be hanging out during the shoot. You've got to be comfortable with mm-hmm. that. Oh yeah. No, you know, no problem. We're looking, looking forward to, I'm looking forward to coming. Um, you know, can't wait to be, you know, part of your brand. Blah, blah. And, and so I felt good about it. And he showed up at the shoot and we had everything lined. We had everything steamed and hung on, yeah. like, on the line. And we got, I don't know, probably halfway through and it, we got into doing the jock briefs and he was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not doing those. And it's just like, I'm sorry, what? Like we, you agreed to this. We're, we're halfway into the process right now. And we're, you know, we're coming down to printing deadlines and this was 2007. So the idea of, you know, things didn't, things didn't get printed overnight or in year two, oh, yeah. like they do more recently. So it was, it was amazing. And yeah, that was a boy models. Hoof-da. You can, uh, you can you totally get, get it. You get either really good ones who are amazing. I have a couple I've worked with over the years that yep. amazing. I try to stick with a lot of the same people. Yep. But you get the other ones where it's just like, are you yeah. kidding me? Oh my God. Yeah. What, how did I'm, you not know this was coming? Like you, you, you're, you're, you're modeling underwear. I'll tell you one of the best. We did a shoot um, with Nick Youngquist, who's now the face of Paco Rabanne. And, you know, this Nick's, Nick's Australian, he's a big strapping guy, you know, perfect oh, yeah, yeah. model. Yeah. And so we got Nick through an agency and he was, you know, should we show up in, in California for the shoot with all the product and, um, and we're talking to Nick and, and I'm chatting with him and 
and you know we're talking about life and what we're doing and I had just recently come back from Australia so we were we were talking about that and he was actually playing in England at the time and I had lived there at some point so you know he and I were chatting and as we're chatting I'm like God, he's a hell of a nice guy but I'm worried about what's going to happen when he gets in front of the camera and you know so we go from you know sitting off uh, you know uh, just outside the off stage off the shoot and we're talking and he you know it's time the photographer's ready everybody's ready he's you know all ready to go he's in a pair of underwear and we start to shoot and he i kid you not it was like he walked in front of the camera and became a different person and he mm-hmm. was amazing like the photographer w- would f- w- barely any direction like was just nick was moving in all the right ways not looking at the camera knew about you know showing the waistband logo in the right proportion yeah just totally it was and it was like what you see on tv sometimes like the photographer was just click 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 and without even saying anything nick was just moving into different positions and doing stuff and turning it i like those are the people that you when you get them you wow you want them and the, and and ladies and gentlemen that's why he's the face of paco Rabanne now because yeah. he's, well, he's so had, easy to work with we had a model and because you get these models and i tell people who you see in person and you're like okay they're okay they're good looking okay but when you get them in front of the camera it's like oh my god the camera loves this person there are no bad pictures yep we have one model we work like that where he's a great guy he's good looking but when he takes pictures he knows just where to pose he knows he's on it and i love working with him because i know every picture we get of him is going to be amazing yep and people those, are like, how does this? I was like, I don't know what it does, but the divine, camera loves him. Divine intervention. Totally. And that was, Nick was that guy too. Like he, Nick is just generally a, a good looking fellow, but he knows like, because he's he somehow just instinctively, and this was before, like way before Paco Rabanne. And, and, you know, he'd not really done any campaigns, done a ton of campaigns between then and now, but he knew like, that side of my face isn't like that little angle is not great or you know mm-hmm. i need to turn to pivot my hips just a little bit otherwise my you know my butt looks too weird like you just all the and we, i didn't as we were doing the shoot and none of this was happening but we finished the shoot and i took him out to dinner and i was like kind of having this this exact conversation i was just like i'm blown away like how great you were today and he was like yeah i'm I, i've done this enough times now that i know when I look good and when I don't look good and I know the parts of my body that don't photograph well and I know how weird shadows are and it was like I learned just in that shoot I learned a lot a lot from him about what a good model is oh yeah so yeah you definitely oh yeah that's a big one wow yeah okay before we move into our next question I have to say you gave me some of the best advice in my entire life Uh oh tell me starting the blog which I've carried over into other aspects of my life is Business is business and don't take it personally. 100%. Yeah, you, you can't. You gave me that advice, I think, in 2010. And if you make, and I tell everyone now on the blog, if you make a decision based on your business, because we've had a couple like stop advertising, like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, look, if it's not delivering what you need set, then I got no problem with you pulling it. Yeah. It's your business. You've got to run it. I was like, personal, I'll take it personally. But if it's a business decision, I got no problem with it. You do what you got to do to run your business. Yeah, I mean, you you have to treat it, the business that way. I, I always think, and I've had some really good conversations with with vendors who, you know, buyers who are buying our product who, 
who have we've we've quit them or they've quit us or or even customers who've you know who come to us and and I get you know we we do get our fair share of of terrible emails and terrible phone calls from people oh yeah but I you know one of the things I always say is you know this is a business and it's it's not a it's not a game it's not a toy and I'm as the owner and CEO of this business, I was responsible. I'm responsible for, for people's lives. You know, mm-hmm. my, the people that work for us, we, <laughs> they need a paycheck and, yep. and they, they need benefits. And, and, and it goes down to like, you know, the, the factories in, in Asia. Like I, like I said, I know my, my factory manager in, in China, like almost like a brother. And I know his family. I know, you know, his mother got sick a while back. Like if I'm, and when I'm thinking about a business decision that I'm going to make, I think about making sure that we're doing enough business that his kids go to school and, you know, Mm -hmm. that, or that he's every, they have money on the, you know, that their business is successful as well. And you have to, if you start making emotional decisions, you, it'll, you know, probably number one way your company will fail. You've got to run a really tight ship and, and not take any of it personally. I think that's one of the reasons the blog so successful was I think a lot of people want free stuff, which is totally. free stuff, right? But when they be like, no, you can't have free stuff. Not like they don't like, no, you can't. But they're like, no, you can't do it right now. I was always like, okay, I think yeah. that shocked a lot of people. And I'm like, I'm not going to harass you for it. So yeah. I mean, and later they would send me stuff. So <laughs> yeah. You, and that that's totally true too. Like, you know, we, we get tons and tons of, of reach outs every week for asking for product or for money for, you know, great causes. Can you send us 20 pairs for a, for an auction for, you know, a great cause or whatever. And I want to say yes to all of them. I, of course I do, course. but we, but we can't like it's, there's no. a line item in the budget for how much underwear we're going to give away. There's a line item in the budget for how much money our cash we're going to give away. And, you know, no matter how good somebody's story is or their, the causes or whatever, if it's not in the business, it's not in the budget, it's not going to happen. Yep. And, and that's the way you've got to be, you got to be kind of ruthless. Otherwise, you know, I'm not, I like, you know, people that work for me aren't paying for their kids' college or their kids' school fees in, in, in Asia. And like, that just, that's not okay with me. I'm, I'm responsible for people. So you're not a charity. You're a business and you got to <laughs> so make money. Yes. And the number of times I've said that in to, to vendors <laughs> and to customers is, is many. So, and I'm sure they don't like that answer, but it, it is what it is. Well, yeah, I'm about to say it is what it is. So. Yep. All right, we'll move on to our next question. What's one thing you wish you knew when you started in the fashion world that oh god, that would have changed yep. everything for you? Yeah, so I um, like I said, I if you'd asked me, you know, a couple of years before I I started basket, like what what's one thing you won't be doing in a couple of years? And, you know, in five years from now, I would have said fashion because I had I have no background in fashion, and I am if you ever you know you've met me, so you know, but. I am the least fashionable person on the planet. Probably I, you know, I, I'm right I wear, up there with you. <laughs> I wear Levi's jeans and polo shirts. Like that's kind of who I am. And, you know, stepping out of that is not, is not who I am. So I, I don't, I didn't have a lot of background in the fashion world. I had a really strong, strong business background. I, through education and through, and through, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Um, and I had a good, I was lucky enough to, although I said previously that burned me out. I, you know, I worked in corporate America for a long time. And so I, I had a good foundation of, understanding of, of how businesses run, but that where I was super deficient and where it took me a long time was actually to learn about 
fashion and design. And, um, and so if I, if I could have changed anything, like, you know, if I was that little kid that said, Oh, I want, when I grew up, I want to, you know, own a fashion business, I would have gone to fashion school. I would have learned how design works. And when, when we first started out, like fa- probably seems really basic to everybody, but f- fabrics behave differently. Uh, a, oh, yeah. a cotton, uh, a pair of underwear that, excuse me, is, you know, 95% cotton and 5% elastane responds and acts differently than a pair that's 97% modal and 3% elastane. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you're, if you know basket, like some of our waistbands are like, we have the bump line and that's really thick that you can feel with your finger. Well, that changes the whole tension on how the waistband works. Yeah. And so all these, I had to learn all these things through trial and error. And, you know, the, the, I designed the, our very first pair of, of voice, of waistbands with a bump line in it. Because I liked the way, I think when you grab your waistband, you should feel the logo and you should feel the the detail of how thick and premium the waistband is. And I designed the first one, sent it off. The samples came back and they were cut for, for they were cut and put on, you know, put on the underwear for small, medium, large, and extra large that we would sell. And I'm, you know, I put my, my size on and it was like constricting. Um, and I, so, you know, went back to the, to the supplier and I said, like, you know, what, what, you know, what's going on with this? And they said, uh, you know, you've, you're the, the detail that you've got in here is, is making this waistband very, it's, it's really increased the required tension, which, you know, how much it stretches to keep it going. And so I had to learn like, okay, that. I, I'm not giving up my bump line. I'm not giving up my detail. And now I need to make my cost of waistband just increased by, you know, 20% because I need to make longer stretches of it, longer runs of it because a medium waistband is now going to take 20% more elastic to give me the same stretch or give me the same ultimate size. And, you know, so you, all those design things are, they're hard learned and they're expensive. And so more, more of my babbling, but yeah, if I could change anything about myself, I, I wish I came into this business with more understanding of how fashion and design actually worked. Cause it's, it's, nice. it's super technical. I have a, my, I have a friend who makes um, one, one thing we, people are constantly saying, and I get this from women all the time is, you know, my love of the stuff you make for my, you know, I love your men's collections. I'm, I love how this stuff holds up. It's great. My husband looks great in it. It feels well, it's made really well. Why don't you make women's products? And Lord. You know, Exactly. I'm like, and I, my, my constant response is like the only similarity between the men's underwear business and the women's underwear business is the word underwear because (laughs) everything else is completely different. It's, you know, the technical aspects of what women's underwear and and bras do is 100% different than what men's do. And the shows are different. The, Oh yeah. the, The buyers, it's all different. It would be like, you know, you're starting a completely new business. So for us to do that, you know, in keeping with my philosophy, I need to come up with another, you know, 800,000 to a million dollars to, to start a, a women's collection. So well, the only one that I know has done that in recent years is to exist, but they had, like you said, the money to do it. Yeah. And so. they, uh, yeah. And, and, and there is a great, you know, um, Jason, the designer, you know, Matt, Jason is, is a designer. Jason is brilliant. Jason could like, you can, blindfold him and tie one hand behind his back and he would he could still come up with an amazing design of, for something he's never done before so yeah. that for them it, it was way easier to to do that but, do. but yeah. we digress on that sorry yeah i'm, I'm, I'm talking way too much yeah it's always good it's Cut always good to well it brings us to our last question which is what are your favorite things about the industry and what are your least favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy I better, temp- 
better temper myself. I, I promise I won't babble. Um, it's a I, great industry, but there are some downsides. Totally. And, you know, and I always, I always say, to, you know, they don't call it work for nothing. It's, it's, it is work at the end of the day. It's a business. And, um, and you, and you can never, when you own a business, you can never get away from it. There's never a time when you are on a Saturday or, you know, or any evening of the week sitting down and thinking to yourself, geez, I have nothing to do <laughs> because you, you totally do somewhere. Oh, Jesus. Somewhere. No, and vacation yeah. is my favorite when you go with friends and they're like, we're on vacation. You should be enjoying. And I'm going, who's going to do this? Yep. Nobody. So I work on vacation. So yeah, totally. And I mean, when I was first starting out in basket, I, I don't think I actually took a vacation for the first five or six years. And, you know, I took, I had long weekends where I went places and I did things, but you know, there was never a, a, there was never downtime. And that only got, I think if we were starting today where, you know, we, we would have to be doing all the social media and posting and all that stuff. Like there would be, that means every day you mm -hmm. are, or, you know, you, you're at least planning it out on the calendar to have an auto launch, but, but every day you're thinking about it. So I think, you know, one of my, if there is a least favorite thing about starting a business and, and, or owning any business, and this probably, you know, this isn't just underwear. It's, it's, you never get away from it. You never have, there's never a moment where you're not dealing with it. Um, and so that's, you know, that can be a bit of a, a, a bummer. I've learned how to make that work for me in, in life. And it's, you know, I think we're all getting good with that now. As, as, mm -hmm. as the business got more solid, I could take, you know, a, a, I could just pack up, you know, the computer and go away for two weeks and, you know, leave everybody back at the office and, and be communicating and working remotely. So that was great. But that, but that took some while. And I, so that, you know, that might be the downside of it. I, you know, I, the things that I love are, I love dealing with good customers who, you know, we have, we have probably 20 people who, and I don't know, I, you know, we talk to them all the time and, and I know what their reasons are, but you know, I, we have probably about 20 customers who spend at minimum three to $4,000 a year with us buying underwear. And I love oh, yeah. talking to, yeah, I love talking to them. I love, talk, I love to get their perspective on, you know, what, what's going on, what they want to do. I have one guy who um, without fail spends over 10 grand a year with us. And I, I, you know, I, I'm always like, John, what are you, when, it, when I first started noticing it, I was like, are you, do you have an underwear business? Because you should be, you know, we should open a, a wholesale account for you. And he was just like, no, I just, I really love this stuff. And I, I, your, your product's great. And I give it away as gifts. I, I, I'm constantly giving your, your underwear. Nice. His gifts. So he's got his own little, he sent me a picture one time. This was you know, four or five years ago now. He sent me a picture of his, like his gift closet. And it basically looked like, you know, a scaled down version of the stock room, but he, those people out there and I love dealing, I love talking to them. I love hang, you know, getting their, their opinions. I, we have a couple key customers that maybe don't buy as much as, as you know, John would, for example, but they're great for, for detail and, and mm -hmm. conversation. So I, if we're making something, I'll get a prototype that comes over, you know, from the factory and I'll just, I'll get it. I'll look at it myself and I'll send it off to them and I'll say, you know, tell me about this. So they're kind of like my testers and nice. I, I, I love all that, that part of the business, the people part of the business. And I, the other thing I love, and then I'll, I'll stop babbling is anyway, again, I touched on this before is I, I love the, um, I love the family that I've created in my business. I, uh -huh. I you know, you see here so much, you know, the common easy, you know, target for the last couple of years has been how bad China is for us. And I, I will tell you from, from the underwear business perspective, it is almost impossible to make underwear as good as, as you can have it product produced in China. You definitely can't mm -hmm. do it in America um, or not for a price that Americans are going to pay anyway, to get really good underwear. It need to be $50 a pair probably. 
and I, you know, these are the the guy that runs my factory. He's like I said, he's a, he and I are, we're aging together, and we're having you know relationships and a family, and you know, he's, I see his kids, and I just I love that. I love that I'm I have been able to help someone build a business that has given them a totally different lease on life that they might not have otherwise had. And so that, that part for me is great too. I, I just, I, you know, I love all the business aspects. I, that part for me is wonderful. Awesome. Now the world of underwear, which I've explained to many people over the years is most brands are pretty small. Yeah. The employees, because you think, Oh, they've got to have like 30 people. And I'm like, no, it's more nope. like three. Because certain brands still, even after many years, is still like four. So I tell them, it's like, unless you're one of the big ones, Calvin Klein, CN2, uh, to exist, they have a staff. But everyone else, it's kind of small and most everybody's been around a while and... Yeah, you're you're wearing lots of hats. I always used to tell people, you know, under the underwear business when you're starting out is like the Wizard of Oz. It looks really big from the outside mm-hmm. and grand, and then you pull back the curtain and you realize there's one man pulling all the levers, and he's he's just got a couple little people helping him. Oh and yeah, that's that's the way the business is. It isn't even you know the the, the CN twos and the two exists in the world like they huge offices and you know by comparison. But when I say a huge office, it's probably twenty five people. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a business. You, the, the margins in underwear are, you have to think of. They're like, not, yeah. they're not huge in the fashion. That's what I tell people. I was like, underwear markups are not like a lot of the other fashion. It's not a significant markup. Yeah. It's not like denim where you, you know, it, it's denim is, is huge markup. And, a couple hundred percent. And I'm like, yeah. nope, we don't have those. <laughs> that doesn't happen in our world. So um, yeah, we're anyway. lucky to get what we get. So yeah, totally. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thank you for coming on again. I'm definitely going to have you back on again to talk more industry stuff because you're one of the most knowledgeable people I know in the industry. Thank and you. I, I appreciate that. Care. I'm not 100% sure that's true, but but I, I, like, I like the business. And thanks for the opportunity to chat. You know, I always like to talk and, and tell, you know, tell my side of the story. So thank so you. Go over to Basket, get you some underwear. Uh, always check our site because we always run the $12 Tuesdays. Yep, that's a great way to, if you're not a basket person. for last week, I filled it out, I scheduled it, and it just totally disappeared in WordPress. (laughs) I come up later that night, and I'm going, where's this post? Where did you go? I know I did you. I put the picture in. It's showing up in my media. Yep. Everything's done. Where the hell did you go? Yeah, it's very rare where we don't, but it usually happens. Awesome. So go to basketware.com and check it out it links to all their social and i'll put all their social in the show notes as well so you can track them and thank you for coming on eric thanks very much have a great day